inevitably, there are things we forget, especially me. I'm getting old, and I'm getting forgetful, and uh, I don't love it any less, though. I just, I just caught, get caught up in the moment. Donna looks mighty proud over there. <laughs> Little Wells, he's been here before, but not walking and talking, so uh, we're glad to get him back. Um, but you do forget some things, and one thing we need never forget is what happened 21 years ago today. Uh, we had promised our nation and we'd promised those families that we would never forget and we should never forget. 21 years and it just seems like it was almost yesterday. This was a lot of water that's gone under the bridge since that time. But you know, as I was thinking about it, uh, it was no surprise to God that that, that was going to happen and that was going to occur, that... Uh, those two towers were going to go down and over 3,000 people were going to die by fellow citizens. And we need not ever think that was not an important sacrifice because it was. Uh, those towers stood for something and what they stood for was freedom. And all of a sudden they were gone. But it did not quench our zeal for America nor for our freedom nor for all of the things that we believe. And so as we are here today on this day of 9-11, uh, let's don't forget. Let's remember. Lord, we thank you that our country was able to get through that crisis. And yet there are many families there in New York and New Jersey and all around in that region of the country that never forget they remember every day, and they remember many times a day. And Lord, that's okay. How many times God tells us to remember, remember, remember those things that are vitally important to us. So Lord, today has been a good day so far. Oh my goodness, what a spirit has been in this place. And so we gather our hearts together just one more time to think about where we are as a nation and where we hope to be when the Lord Jesus calls his kingdom home. Lord, it's going to happen. It's going to happen just like 9-11 happened, almost in a twinkling of the eye. And when that occurs... We need to make absolutely sure that we walk through that door into glory. So Lord, help us with all of the things that make that possible and just storm into our hearts and remind us every day that it's not really about this world or this nation. It's not really about us. It's about what you have done and you will do for those who love you and for those who follow you. And Lord, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. I appreciate Diane and Mary playing this morning, uh, finding that old song, Somebody's Knocking at Your Door. What's your first thought when somebody comes and knocks at your door? 
You just run to the door as fast as you can and jerk it open just to see who it is. Maybe we used to do that, but we don't do it much anymore, do we? And yet and still, uh, because we have lost that, uh, there are many things that have affected the church. And that's one of those things a lot of you say, well, door-to-door evangelism doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't work because nobody does it. Uh, we baptized over 100 people a year because we knocked on countless doors of people that we really did not know but who needed Jesus really bad. So, you know, when we think about knocking on that door, Jesus has not quit knocking. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, knock, knock. And Jesus will be standing at that door knocking until the trumpet blows. Until God makes that decision about that day, which is a day far more important to us even than 9-11 and what happened on that day 21 years ago. And so I've been kind of had this message in my mind. Rick uh, did a wonderful job last week, and Chris, I know what it is to take a day off because I just took one off last Sunday. Uh, But uh, it was good, and uh, it was a message where where, uh, Rick said, listen, I I just wrote this as a devotional for myself, but I just love to preach it because it means so much to me. I want to tell you something. If what you're going to preach or what you're going to teach doesn't mean something to you, quit. Just go ahead and quit and forget about it. And it ought to mean everything to you because of what Jesus Christ means to you. And the difference that he has made and will continue to make in your life if you'll simply yield yourself to that which God is asking you to do. I mean, we see it in our Jenny Chapman offering uh, videos this morning. We hear it in our prayer request. We, you know, we sing the songs uh, of the faith. All of those things just kind of tug at our heart and remind us, and we remember what it is and who we are that God wants us to be. So uh, this message is kind of a little bit of a devotional for me uh, because it, It's been just wandering around in my head and in my heart for two weeks, and now I get to share it. And so as we begin uh, this this message, I'm going to be preaching from Revelation chapter 3. We'll use a couple other texts to uh, to give that context, but if you have your Bible, you can go on and turn over to Revelation chapter 3. It is uh, that uh, chapter where Jesus... Uh, is sending his angels to church after church after church with a message from him. And so as it's a message from Jesus to the church, it is a message to us. He writes those seven letters to the seven churches of Asia, and he writes them to every generation that has passed since those letters originated. Now, you don't have to 
buy into this. Um, but as I went back and I've studied the book of the Revelation many times, what I noticed about that is that these letters not only represent those seven churches, but they represent an age. They represent a time as our world grows closer and closer to that moment of return. Now, you know, you can go to the first letter to the church at Ephesus and what happened to those folks? They left their first love. And then you can go to the last letter, the church to Laodicea. And what was the problem there? Being lukewarm. Now, if you go through all four and you identify them with each of those general time periods that, that history brings to us, um, we're in the last one. Laodicea comes at the end. And I'm confident of that. And yet Jesus is still knocking on the hearts of people all around that world, this world. And we need to be conscious of that because Jesus said, I am the door. Back over there in John chapter 10, we think a lot of times, we think more about uh, the servant uh, and him being the good shepherd. But the first thing he says in that 10th chapter, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, he says, but he who enters by the shepherd of the sheep, to him the doorkeeper opens. That's where it kind of begins. As far as Jesus talking about being the door, there is no other way to get to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me because he's the door. He said the gates of hell would never prevail against the church because he had the keys to the kingdom. He held those keys for each and every one of us. And he would even tell a parable, probably... I didn't look. It's close to one of the last parables uh, that, uh, that Jesus taught over in Matthew chapter 25. Most of you are very familiar with his parables. And this was the kingdom, uh, or, or the parable of the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins. Now there were five who were prepared, and there were five who were unprepared. They were ready and expecting to celebrate a wedding as soon as the bridegroom came. Now, five of those virgins had put oil in their lamp, and five had failed to do it. And so, while the bridegroom was delayed, the Bible says they all slumbered and slept. I think the bridegroom was just delaying a little bit. We don't know when. For him, eternity is in sight. He understands it because he has been from the very beginning. That delay may not amount to anything. 
other than the fact that I believe that he is delaying his return. And it says in that uh, parable, And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And those who were ready went in with him, those who had oil in their lamps, those whose lives were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went in with the bridegroom for the wedding. First thing we're going to do when we get there. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a wedding. It's going to be a celebration because we, the church, are the bride of Christ. There's no question about that. But for those who were ready, they went in with him. But those who were not ready were turned aside. And the door was shut. Not my words. Jesus' words. And these, these uh, five virgins that had failed to fill their lamps adequately with, with the oil, they cried as they stood outside of that door, Lord, Lord, open up. And he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you do, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, <clears throat> how often do you think about that? How often do you think, think about that the, that the Lord or the bridegroom of the church, he's just delaying, but that doesn't matter because he's coming. He says over and over, and the scriptures tell us over and over, he's coming. And it's going to be a whole lot of people that are not prepared for his coming. And so Jesus just goes on every day doing what Jesus does, knocking on the door. And what he called us to do, what he commanded us to do, what he commissioned us to do, is to never stop knocking on the door of people's lives. That's who we are. We are his witnesses as we go through this. Now, I want to just turn you over to the chapter 3 of Revelation because I want to look just for a minute at these two final letters. One was written to the faithful church. The other was written to the lukewarm church. And just listen for a minute. You can follow along. I go back to chapter 3 when he's talking about the faithful church. And he introduces himself. In every one of these letters, Jesus introduces himself in a very unique and powerful way. Now listen to what he says to the faithful church. These things he says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David. He's got the keys to the gates of hell, and he's also got the keys to the kingdom of heaven.
He who opens those gates and no one shuts and shuts those gates and no one opens. Church at Philadelphia, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Now, if these... If these letters apply to a particular time in the world's history and God is trying to do everything he can to prepare us, what was our Sunday school lesson about this morning? Prepare to meet your God. And that came from Amos long, long time ago. People are to always in their lives be preparing themselves to meet their God. And if you're not prepared, there's no use of complaining about it because it's told to you to prepare throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New. And he says to that church, though, it's a compliment that he's paying. He says, I know your works. I know what you've done. This is a faithful church. This is a loving church. Philadelphia, brotherly love. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. You know, back in the early 80s, Ronald Reagan went to the Soviet Union and he said this to Gorbachev. Tear down this wall that had separated people and families all across Germany as they built this gigantic wall that ran right through the city of Berlin. They gave no warning and as quick as they could build it, they built it. Families, friends, neighbors, all were separated and remained separated for over 30 years. Until Ronald Reagan said, tear down this wall. Well, when that wall got torn down, let me tell you, it got torn down all around the world because the Soviet Union had power in countries and nations that they had conquered and that they had imposed communism on all over the planet. But as that wall fell in Berlin, it fell in nation after nation after nation and doors were opened. Open like we have never seen. Eastern Europe, where it all began, it's kind of where it began for me too in Romania. But that was just the beginning. Just the beginning of a journey that would carry me not only to many of these countries uh, that, that had found freedom with the fall of the Soviet Union, but they also found the Lord Jesus Christ in the message that was proclaimed. A simple message. It's just a simple gospel message. And we went from country to country in Europe, the Caribbean, South America, Soviet Union, Europe, Eastern Europe. We went to Central Asia, South Asia, 
Southeast Asia. And, you know, interestingly enough, we carried the same message every time. And we were free to do it. Now, that people would threaten us. Sure they would. They say, listen, you get caught praying in this country, and you're going to jail. Well, 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 God's got something to say about that. I don't think that's necessarily up to you. And never one time in all of that time of going did I ever feel threatened in any way. Even when we went to Moscow, the heart of the Soviet Union and its communism. So he says, listen, this Philadelphia church, they've been faithful. He says, so you have a little strength, but you have kept my word. Now, the Lord's going to kind of ask all of us that question one day. You have kept my word, and I have not denied your name. You've kept my word. You haven't denied my name. You have done that which I have asked you to do. And as a result of that, the faithful church was going to be rewarded. What was that reward? Look on down verse 10. We don't have time to go through every, every word of this, but down in verse 10 of that faithful church passage, it says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. The church is going to be protected from that hour from the judgment that is coming to this world when Jesus returns to take his church to glory. Everybody else in this world is going to be left behind. Only the church, only the bride of Christ gets to go at the rapture. The rest of the world even though you find many of those believers and many of those who have given their lives to Christ in every nation, most of the people in these countries are going to simply be eternally separated from God and eternally separated from us. Now, they don't have to live somewhere else. It might be our next-door neighbor. It might be somebody in our family. It might be somebody we haven't even met, somebody we stumbled into on the street. I don't know where it comes from. But, you know, if Jesus wants to use us to knock on the heart of somebody, he ought to be able to use us. And we ought not argue about it. We ought not debate whether or not he is going to use us. I mean, the Great Commission basically says, as you go out into this world, you don't have to do intentional evangelism like we used to do it. Probably wouldn't work anymore. But I'll tell you, you stumble into lost people every day without even knowing it. And so the reward to the church at Philadelphia is pretty clear. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, if you want to read about that, uh, you can just turn over two pages to chapter 6 and you can start reading all the way to chapter 20. And you will see why you should be extremely excited and glad that you are going to be spared from enduring and persevering through that awful time of God's judgment and his wrath. 
And then in verse 13, Jesus says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We're without excuse. Most of us have listened to what the Spirit has said to the churches for years and years and years, and yet and still, the church has grown more lukewarm year after year after year. So let's take a look and see what the Bible has to say and Jesus has to say to the lukewarm church. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, right, this is verse 14. These things says the amen. You know, amen is one of those words that's been a little, uh, a little hard to define. So be it. You know, it's God's will. But basically down at its root, it means affirmation of truth. Now, if I say something that's true, and hopefully I've said two or three things already because I did hear a few amens out there, you're always free if I say something that's true to follow that up with amen. Amen. Thank you, Diane. At least my ministry assistant's faithful to me. Amen. <laughs> but when we affirm truth, and Jesus was the affirmation of the greatest truth this world will ever hear. It doesn't matter what verse you want to choose being your favorite over in the New Testament. The message is the same. Jesus came, he lived, he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again the third day, he ascended back into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father right now at this very moment interceding for us. <laughs> that's what it means. Oh, but we're back to understanding who it is that's writing this letter. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness. Jesus never spoke a word that was not true. Don't go out and try that. There was a guy yesterday at the ball game. These guys don't stand on corners anymore. These guys, fine-looking young man, never knew his name, didn't know where he's from, but I had a pretty good idea where he was going. He was just walking down the street and all of that crowd over there at Clemson. Big old microphone up on a stick. He was carrying that in one hand and carrying the Bible in the other. And he was giving witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said to my son-in-law and I said to my grandson, you got to respect that guy. You may never want to do it yourself. But you've got to respect that guy because he was communicating that message, that message that is so vitally important to each and every one of us that we should be willing to die for that message, and yet maybe we're a little too lukewarm to do that. I'll tell you what, there have been a lot of red-hot martyrs in this world for Jesus Christ. And so, this letter to the Laodicean church 
comes from amen, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus was sitting there when this world was created. If you don't believe that, go back to the first chapter of the book of John. You can see how it is expressed by some of the most brilliant and, 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 and deeply theological and, and, and the apostle John, he couldn't have wrote that on his own. It had to be coming straight from heaven what he had to say. Nothing was created that was created except by him. That's who it was. That's who's writing these letters. And you see, you go back and you can look at the first five letters and each one of them are introduced by words from the Lord Jesus. You might enjoy doing that sometime this week. And then on down in verse 20, Jesus writes, well, let me just back up to verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke. Now, you know, I did not see anybody in that crowd. I had a hard time getting through that big old microphone in one hand and a Bible in the other. But I didn't see nobody rebuking him. I didn't see anybody mocking him. I didn't see anybody trying to oppose what he was doing because I knew why he was doing it. Because you see, he believed that little, little, little verse over there in uh, Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit has come upon us, we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when the uttermost parts of the earth, we can't go there. We saw a video just a few minutes ago of how the world part of it, the uttermost parts of the world, have come here. I tell you, there's a lot of them desperate to hear the gospel in their own heart language. Now, I don't understand the heart language of Antonio and of our Hispanic congregation, but I'll tell you, when he preaches this afternoon at 2 o'clock, it will be different for them than trying to listen to someone interpret a sermon. Because Antonio will be speaking the heart language of Hispanic folk. Now, the message doesn't change, but what it is, what, what, what allows it to penetrate into a person's heart is unique in every language, in every part of the world. I often laughed and said, you know, with all those interpreters, I always wondered if they were saying what I was saying. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. But I know a lot of people are coming to Jesus because of it. And, and, and you know, God's got his way. It's not me when I get up here and even preach or try to do anything. It's not my witnessing that gets it done. Listen, it's the Holy Spirit of God working through somebody that is unashamed of the gospel, just like Paul said in Romans chapter 1. Hmm. 
So as many as I love, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That's a pretty simple message. Be zealous about what? Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's what you need to be zealous about. Be zealous and repent. You're not a believer. You're not a child of God today unless there was a moment in time in your life when you genuinely repented before God and really before this world. And you just couldn't wait to go pick that phone up and tell somebody that you knew that you had accepted Jesus Christ and you were on your way to glory. Now, a lot of people couldn't believe it. Still don't. But that's not my problem. Because Jesus says, behold, verse 10, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking. He's knocking all the time, all over this world. He's knocking. He said, I got something I want to tell you. Just kind of like these Jehovah Witnesses. You know, they come to your house knocking. Hey, come right in. Can I get you a drink of water? Are you thirsty? And on my way back, I'm going to drop two drops of arsenic in that water. Will that be okay? I say, that is what you're doing in the lives of people all over my community. I don't want it to happen. It's putting poison into the truth. And we've already read that that's what Jesus is, that he is the one who is giving us the truth. Amen? And it is the only truth. Amen? And it's the only way to heaven. Amen? <laughs> I think so. So behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. Anyone, red, yellow, black, and white. Been singing that since I was just a little boy. It does not matter where they came from. It does not matter what they have done. It only matters what they do with Jesus. And all they need is somebody, somebody representing the Lord Jesus Christ knocking on the door of their heart. You might be standing in the grocery store line and the subject of Jesus Christ comes up. Hey, listen, that's a safe place to give a witness. You know, people can't be too ugly to you there. But you're just, you know, you, you can but imagine how that might leave an impression. You know, I see you're getting a loaf of bread. You know something Jesus said, that he is the bread of life. Can I talk to you a little bit about that? Hey, he's a lot of things. And the reason he's a lot of things is because he is prepared to knock on the door of every heart that will listen. So he says, I stand and I knock on the door, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door... 
I will come in. And I'll dine with you. Because I'm the bread of life. And if you don't have any bread, we'll get you some bread. Bam. He said, preacher, come on. Oh, no, 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 no. 5,000 men plus women and children. Little old boy shows up with five loaves and two fishes. He says, I got some bread here. Yes, I do. He fed the whole crowd and picked up 12 baskets after it was full. You know, our face just kind of too lukewarm for that. So, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And after these things, look on down at verse, well, no, let's stop at verse 22 first. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, you can take what I've said any way you want to say it. Any way you want to say it or listen to it or hear it or whatever else. But I'm going to tell you what God's spirit and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ can do whatever he chooses to do. And it's not a single thing that we can do. So if God be for us, why don't we just join God? It's the safest place in the world to be. It is the one place in which you will be rewarded for every word that you speak in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every word. So if we've got an ear, let us hear what the, not what the preacher is saying to the churches, no. What the Spirit is saying to the churches. Listen, I don't do this without the Holy Spirit. I just read this stuff. You know, I just read it. I just read it. Chris just reads it. Hey, if we just read it, you'd fall sound asleep in a pew. But we preach it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And it penetrates hearts, it penetrates ears, it penetrates lives, and they are transformed as a result. Not as many this day as there used to be, but still a few along the way. Then chapter 4, after these things, I looked, John writes, I looked and behold, guess what? A door. A door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come on up. Now, the dead's going to hear it first because they're going to rise before we hear it. But we're going to hear it. And it's not going to be too long. The older I get, boy, that's more of a guarantee every day. And the first voice which I heard was the trumpet speaking with me saying, Come on up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. I hope you got a strong stomach when you get over to Revelation chapter 8 and you read all the way to Revelation chapter 20 because I tell you what's coming. It's not something that you want any part of at all. 
I could go back and put some details in with all of those passages that we've looked at. But my goodness, my time's up. Go read those letters. Go watch what happens to the church from beginning to end. And remember especially, remember especially what that church at Philadelphia was commended for because of its faithfulness. You know, I think one of the biggest changes occurred as a result of what Ronald Reagan said. You may not like Ronald Reagan. I love Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. My friends, Jesus could have said it just as well as I'm going to say it to you today. Tear down this wall. And when the wall was torn down, guess who was the first one that went over there and walked through that door? Billy Graham. And literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who had never heard the good news of the gospel heard it. And they opened the door. And Jesus came in. And then COVID comes. And we shut the door. Thank God you came back. There were a lot of people who did not. Behold, I stand at the door and if not, and if anyone hears my voice, I will come in. I will come in through that door, and I will sit down with you, and I will fellowship with you. And you'll come to understand what it means when we get to the 25th of this month and we come before this table and we remember the Lord Jesus Christ not only did he say that he would come in he said that he would dine with us and he's going to dine with us that day that's going to be a good day you know I got the, uh, the text yesterday late afternoon <clears throat> I agree with most of what you said but I believe that baptizing might just add something a little sweet to that service, Chris. It just might. Especially if we were to have a few folks that would be willing to get right with Jesus between now and then. And understand that all they've been doing is going through the motions. And have never really understood what it means to open the door of your heart. And let Jesus flood in not only as your Savior but as your Lord. You see, then he's in control. And that's a lot of fun. Just knowing that Jesus is in control. Amen. When Billy Graham died, he'd say it. A lot of evangelism in this world died with him. I saw his grandson on TV yesterday, and they were interviewing him about <clears throat> the queen died. 
I know many of you have an empty place in your heart. If you do, praise the Lord. But you ought to have an empty place in your heart for those people who are going to spend eternity separated. They're going to spend eternity separated from God. Because God never knocked on their door and invited Jesus Christ in. Now I tell you that because I love the queen too. I've never known another queen. She's the only queen I know. And she said that almost immediately when she was uh, when she became queen in 1952 the one of the first people that she entertained was Billy Graham. And said they sat down and she wanted to know what things in the Bible meant. In other words, she opened the door. In the first year of her reign, Billy Graham went to Buckingham Palace and sat down with a queen that was hungry for the truth. I wonder what God thought about that. Queen's no more important than anybody else in this world. And when you go and you sit down with somebody and you tell them what the Bible says and you tell them what it means and you tell them what the reward's going to be one of these days, listen, they're not going to be any different. They're going to talk about it for the rest of their life. Or they should. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to tell you that we love you, we praise you, we thank you. Lord, there's so much more there. But Lord, I think we got the heart of what this message is all about to the churches. And I believe we can truly understand that we're getting very near to that moment in time when that open door as it was described, is closed. And Lord, there are many that have never opened it, that keep it closed. And the only way they're ever going to open it is for them to knock and open it themselves for you to come in. Lord, we've all seen that picture of Jesus knocking at the door. How many of us ever realized there was no door handle on the outside. When Jesus comes knocking on a person's heart, they have to open that door for themselves. I've never opened it for a single person in my life. Oh, but I have been so thrilled when I knock and I'd hear somebody on the other side of that door undo that bolt and open that door. Because I knew and Jesus knew what they were about to receive. The greatest gift, the gift of God, is eternal 
life. And that's the truth. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that has never opened that door, if there's someone now that feels that Holy Spirit just knocking and knocking and knocking, Lord, let them open that door. And Lord, we'll not take the glory for that. Your son earned all of the glory on the cross. All of it. And we're so thankful for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.